This is a Bulldog Radio Podcast. What's happening, everybody? Welcome back to the Most Valuable Sports Podcast. My name is Brandon Worth, and joined, as always, by the chess master himself, Mr. Joe Nagy. What's happening, Joe? Um, I've been on the chess grind lately. You I played have like, been. I think, like, 10 or some games last night. I won, like, nine of them. I basically know everything. Sicilian defense, king's gambit, queen's gambit, basically everything. I have no idea what those mean, but I believe it. My, che- my <laughs> chess people will know what I mean, but yeah. chess is fun. But today we got a pretty pretty big show today. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about the NHL. Joe's Fact of the Day is going to be bring, uh, making Ooh. a comeback. Uh, talk a little bit about NBA basketball, and then maybe probably close it out uh, with a quick update on college basketball. But without further ado, let's get into it. Brandon. Yes. NHL hockey's gotten underway. It happened, I think, uh, early last week. Uh, our Red Wings have been kind of off to a, a pretty good start, 2-2 two and two so far, so we'll start with them. They played the Blue Jackets yesterday with a win in overtime, 3-2. to two. Red Wings, they're not bad. I mean, they're not the greatest team, obviously, because it's just we're in the rebuild station. But 2-2 two and two is a better start than I thought we were going to have. Yeah, I think everybody's happy with 2-2 with two and two so far. And I mean... You look at this team over the last two years, like, there's been some bumps in the road. I think we've ran into a lot of bumps in the road more than some other squads have over the last two years. And that's that's okay. I mean, every dynasty has its fall. We, we kind of see that um, with some other franchises along the road. I mean, you, you normally see, like, back in early 10s to 2015, it was like, Penguins, Capitals, Bruins. It's really kind of a mix of those three who's going to be competing in the Cup. And now you're not seeing that those many teams. Obviously, we had Vegas pull out the crazy run to their to their opening title or title appearance, I should say. Yeah. And then you got the Blues last year as well. So a, a really, it's it's kind of a, a little bit of a different. We're seeing a lot of new faces um, in these big games. And I mean, even going to like all, a lot of other leagues have seen, like we've seen this, even like the NFL, like the Chiefs have now taken off and some other teams have not, like the Patriots. So I think it's just kind of, it's kind of appropriate that like now we're starting to see um, like the wings were obviously on their downfall, but I, I mean they're doing pretty well. I mean two and two, like we said, is it's a really mm-hmm. it's it's a better place than we expected to be at. And I mean, you you bring up some of like I mean we got Stevie Y back. The man needed to be in the organization. There was no question about it. We bring him back, and we've got a lot of great players on this team. I mean, Bobby Ryan got him in the off season on. Some people would say like a. I guess a questionable move because I was kind of like, um, do we really need him? And he's been our leading goal scorer. I mean, he's found the net four times so far this year, which is crazy. But, um, I mean, there's been, there's been a lot of good pieces and I think that this team's really young. I mean, Dylan Larkin's now our cap and he's only been in the league for how long that just kind of shows you how young this team is, but there's a lot of veteran pieces and you got a lot of guys, you got um, Vernier in the back. Um, and I think this is going to be a good team. I think we're going to be in good shape. I think so, too. I mean, obvious, 
it's a little weird because we just haven't really been playing very solid. It's just kind of dump and chase, and there's a lot of guys that are on like the same side. Like I think I watched, I watched the first game, and then I watched. I didn't watch yesterday, but I think I watched the first game against Columbus, and it's just like you have a lot of guys that are just stacking up when we don't need to. It's just the puck is not being, or the ice isn't being opened up, and it's just it feels like we're just kind of throwing the puck anywhere where there's open ice, and just no one's being able to get it. And you know, I feel like we're just skating by just the skin of our teeth and then that's basically we're getting those goals that are just kind of we can get every once in a while but we just aren't as consistent as we need to be but I'm pretty excited we're playing pretty well we did pick up Thomas Grease um, from mm-hmm. the Islanders my Islanders that was a good <laughs> pickup he didn't have the greatest game uh, the first game but you know first game with a, with a new team you can't really expect too much and I'm I'm it's just a fluke game, so I think he'll do pretty well. And Jonathan Bernier has been kind of really doing solid, um, especially kind of being kind of thrown in as the main guy. Now he's kind of been the backup a little bit from, I mean, Peter Morazic from when Jimmy Howard was. I mean, I don't know if Jimmy – I forgot if Jimmy Howard still plays for us. I can't remember. But I don't think he does anymore, but, yes, he did good. for he a while. He was way too old, and he wasn't that good. But Jonathan <laughs> Bernier is kind of stepping it up too. So Red Wings are looking good. Um, some other games from around the league. Yesterday, Devils picked the win up against the Rangers 4-3. to three. Uh, Jack Hughes is playing pretty solid. He got a goal in that game. Um, Blackhawks lose to the Panthers 4-5. to five. We, uh, Red Wings play the uh, Blackhawks. Uh, this on Friday. Out, on Friday to end out the week. Um, we'll take a quick switch over to the Islanders now. Islanders, as not many people know, I want to talk about the Islanders. Islanders of are one of my favorite team other than the Red Wings. They're, they picked up the win against the Bruins. Uh, they, they've been doing pretty well. They, uh, they kind of flip-flopped against the Rangers uh, for the first opening two games. Islanders ended up getting the first one 4-0. Then we lost 5-0 to against the Rangers, which I don't know how that happens, but... All I know is it's going to be a pretty good series, especially since Islanders play the Rangers. I think it's eight or nine times this year. And that's one thing that also I wanted to kind of bring up today, Brandon, is a lot of these teams that, you know, it's big rivalries, especially for like those Canadian teams that don't get to see each other too much during the regular season. They're going to be playing each other, you know, five, six, seven, eight times. I mean, what could that really mean for kind of the standings, especially when that rivalry is so runs so deep? What do you think that's going to kind of affect the gameplay at all? Yeah, I mean, like... Especially with the the scenario of, like, the schedule has obviously changed a lot, especially with COVID now. There's going to be more, um, like, kind of what we're seeing in the the NBA a little bit now, where it's going to be more kind of, you're going to be kind of stuck in a region for a little bit of time because, obviously, we don't want everybody to be flying all over the place and then somebody tests positive. Now you got contract tracing across how many states, and I think that's something that they're really trying to implement. But, I mean, like, the... The one thing about the Canadian rivalry, I think it's I think it's really cool. I mean, really, you have the the North Division or the the Scotia North Division. Have some thoughts about that advertising, <laughs> but um, I mean, I th- I think it's really I think it's really cool, and like a lot of people have like in Canada, hockey is our football. It's the sport. Like, there's no question about it. Like, hockey is the sport in Canada. It is their number one. I mean, Saturday night, you know what's on TV instantly. And it's just a, it's just a really exciting time. I mean, with the, the whole situation, it's going to be interesting because, like, um, obviously, when you have the, all these Canadian rivalries, because mm-hmm. really, I mean, there's only seven teams out of the, the 31 in the league right now are in Canada. And they're all in the same division. So each game... 
that is a Canadian rivalry is that much more important because they have the division on the line being all in the same division. So mm-hmm. I think that's going to be something interesting to see, and especially now when you go down the stretch and with the whole regional thing, like like the Islanders are probably going to have to go play Winnipeg, Vancouver. They're going to have to play them just consecutively. Like They're going to have to play them so many times mm-hmm. in a row where it's just going to be like rivalry game after rivalry game, and they're just going to stack up in importance as it goes mm-hmm. along in the season. But it should be interesting. I mean, the Islanders haven't got off to, I think, what a lot of people anticipated to start. I think they were a little better. Does it even matter? Does yeah, not even worried. I mean, having only five five goals in your first uh, three contests is a little concerning, but I mean, you can't be like, it's only, I mean, Give there's like time. people, well, I mean, there was people, I was listening to uh, a podcast earlier, um, locked on NHL actually. And they were talking about how, um, Edmonton people are freaking out and they should trade Connor McDavid. And I'm like, what are you guys talking about? <laughs> like we are four games in the year, y'all like they're, Teams are still trying to find their identity in all of this. Like, they're still trying to figure out the protocol situations. Like, there's for the first five, ten games really aren't going to completely matter because there are going to be teams that are going to be three and seven, four and six through the first ten, but they're going to figure it out and go on these long runs because we've seen that how many times in sports? It's always the team that, yep, mm-hmm. put them down and out in the beginning of the year and then look where they're going to be at the end because it doesn't matter if you catch fire now. Catch fire at the end of the season is when mm-hmm. it really counts. I mean, that's kind of what surged the Islanders. I think it was last year we had that, I think it was like 15 games where we had a, like a point streak and then we had that 10-game uh, win streak just right in the dead middle of the season and that kind of really surged us to the top of the division and kind of surged us into the playoffs and kind of solidified that spot because after there was like a little bit of a dry spot where we had a couple games where we weren't playing too good a couple games where we didn't score any points and had a couple losses but because of that span of where we got 15 20 points that really surged us to the next kind of the next level and basically got us in the playoffs so i mean it's it's a really exciting nhl season so far we got a lot of time left uh gms and kind of front office probably don't have to be too worried right now give it probably at least a couple more games, at least like probably 20 to get another belt, see what they need to fix for the first, for kind of the, what the season's going to happen with. But, you know, I just can't wait for all of these sort, all of these rivalry games. I mean, mm-hmm. Maple Leafs are going to be playing the Canadians so many times this year. Flames are going to be playing the Senators so many times this year. I just can't wait because it's going to be so much fun. And Red Wings are going to be playing the Blackhawks, I think it's like eight or nine times. Mm-hmm. And those, the, anytime there's an original six matchup, you know what, the, 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 there's going to be bad blood in the bad water. Bad there, yeah. The hate is going to run deep, and I know that uh, these players are just really looking forward to that, and that's kind of what I'm looking forward to as well. But, Brandon, like I said, Joe's Fact Today is making a return today. It's been a while, but I got an NHL-themed one for you today. Are you ready? All right, shoot it at me. All right, Brandon. So, in the 1970s, oh boy. there was one team who was the only team to ever kill a live animal during the hockey game. What? <laughs> what team was it, and what was the animal? Oh, no. Um, so Joe's Fact of the Day is back, and Embarrassing Brandon is also <laughs> back. Um, the, the 70s. They killed a live animal? Yeah, 1974 to be exact. What in the world? Like, I can't... Oh, my gosh. See, the team that comes to the mind, and um, the team that comes to mind first is the Blackhawks, and it might be just because we were talking about him, but I mean, I don't. That's just kind of such a crazy thing. I mean, I'll give you a hint. It's not the Red Wings and an octopus. Oh, what? <laughs> it's not. That's one of them. That's not okay. 
but that leaves me 30 teams and hundreds of animal combinations here. <laughs> I I don't know. I mean, I don't know. Like I I think with I think what got me to the the Blackhawks guess was like the Native American tradition of sacrifice. I yeah. think like animal sacrifice and I think that's not going to probably I don't know, maybe it is. I don't I can't think of any <laughs> other team that would possibly partake in something like this. I can't even believe it was even done in the first place. But I don't know. I'm going to I don't know. I don't honestly. I honestly have no idea. I'm going to say like uh the Blackhawks and some random animal. I honestly have no idea. It was actually the Buffalo Sabres killed a bat right, oh. be, right before uh, puck drop. Uh, the story is, so Sabres center Jim Lorenz spotted a bat flying across the rink before uh, the puck dropped. He oh, swung so it was, at it. It was not an intentional. No, oh, thank goodness. He swung was, at it with his wow. stick. He killed it. <laughs> And um, Sabres ended up winning that goal in overtime. They beat the Bruins. That was pretty cool. Wow. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. That makes me feel Isn't a lot that, better. It was not I intentional. Know. I was looking at facts and I saw like Sabres the only team to kill an animal. I was like, that's going to be a pretty good that's, one. I definitely did not know that one. It's a good, good fact, Joe. Um, moving on now to um, talk a little bit of NBA today. We haven't got to them this week. Uh, a lot of lot of different Different teams now having their outlooks as trades have been finalized. Now teams starting to play with their new squads. Notably, James Harden and Kevin Durant are making it work in Brooklyn. They have been on a tear, including Harden's almost game winner leading to Durant's game winner against the Bucks. That was a that was a big game for them. And I mean, you look at the first game back with Harden and Durant playing together, you can already tell their chemistry's back like they never mm-hmm. left. I mean, they're like you had the clip of Harden tell or cheering up Durant on the on the bench when he was about to come in the game. Like you can just tell by those little things that they definitely have it figured out back to their their old chemistry. Like there's there's no bad blood or whatever if there was um, with the situation. But I mean, it's been it's been a really good it's been a really good thing to see James Harden happy. I think that's something that a lot of people have missed because mm-hmm. I mean, the situation in Houston is not pretty, and they're still trying to figure it out. But I mean, Harden had a triple double in his first game. Durant had forty three points. Um, now we just got to see if Kyrie's going to come back and see if that's going to change anything because. I, mean, I don't know if he should. Because, I mean, it's going to be a weird situation to see. Now you got three people with the ball mm-hmm. in their hands a lot. So, And I think that if you are going to have James Harden come, you have to think about... Keeping um, him happy. Yeah, you want to think about keeping him happy. And you also have to consider what are you going to do now with your secondary pieces that aren't necessarily... Because, I mean, you got guys like Spencer Dinwiddie who... um. I believe it was an ACL or an MCL. I can't remember off the top of my head, but he's out for the year, and he's not going to play on the court again until next year. And now you bring Harden along, and now his his job's now demoted to backup. And then, obviously, Karis LeVert, having him shipped out was probably one of the best ways to get Harden because, I mean, mm-hmm. Karis LeVert's a hot commodity right now for how well he's playing, and I think him in the backup role was a is going to turn a much better Karis LeVert than um, a starting because, I mean, his role is coming off the bench and providing a spark and getting buckets. That's what his job is. So, But I think that with 
like those secondary pieces you have to consider because when you got guys like James Harden and Kevin Durant, like you're going to have them on the floor a majority of the time, but now you're going to have guys that are going to lose lose some minutes. And then you're mm-hmm. going to have some guys that probably might not get minutes at all now at this point. So you're just going to have to reevaluate how long is this going to last? If is this going to be a long-term thing or is it just the hey, one year and we're going for the ship and that's it. I'm assuming it's going to be a long long-term because of how many draft picks they gave up. So um you you have to consider how Kyrie's going to fit in this system because I mean Kyrie's been in some situations that where sometimes he hasn't had the ball in his hands and frankly he doesn't like it. Yeah, that's that's one thing that when I saw that Harden was coming over and I was like, well, it's, it'll work for right now because Kyrie is just MIA right now and I don't know what he's doing. Um, but if he comes back, I just don't know if it's if they're going to be because I mean Kevin Durant and James Harden is working for them right now because I mean Kevin Durant's not really a point guard. But James Harden and both James Harden and Kyrie are both point guards. So what do you? I mean, we saw that in Houston with Russell Westbrook and James Harden. That didn't work out, and they played together before at OKC. And what are you going to do now with Kyrie? Because he's not obviously he's not going to be happy that he's going to have to take a backseat if that comes to it. And Harden won't be happy if they choose Kyrie over him because he came here from Houston. I mean, it wasn't the best situation, obviously in Houston, but he came here nonetheless. So what's like what? What's the plan here? I don't think that they should um, really... I mean, if Kyrie doesn't come back, that's probably good for them. And they probably should just try to maybe part ways with Kyrie because right now James Harden's working. They have a really good, situ- like comfortable situation with Kevin Durant and James Harden because there's chemistry there. And like I said, they don't share the same kind of spot on the floor so they can uh, so they can both have those situations where they're scoring a lot of points, where they're really dominating in their skill set but they're not really stepping on each other's toes, and I think that's going to be the big difference if Kyrie comes back is you're going to have kind of that locker room drama, that encore kind of butting heads a little bit. Who's going to get the ball in those situations? Because Kyrie dribbles a lot, and obviously he's got some of the best handles in the league, but he's not as, I wouldn't say as a gifted shooter as James Harden because he just, I feel like James Harden can hit those shots a lot more consistent than Kyrie and then throw Kevin Durant in that mix. I don't think that's... Especially with just kind of how Kyrie has been lately with his mentality and kind of what he thinks he thinks he's one of the best or the best player in the NBA or whatever he thinks it is because I mean he thinks the earth is flat so I don't know what he thinks but <laughs> I don't know I hopefully they keep what they have going and then Kyrie doesn't mess it up if they do bring it back but I don't think that'll happen yeah I it'll be interesting like I'm I'm gonna hold out and have a little a little faith that it will turn out and that there will be some sort of agreement going but it's just really hard right now because i mean like i know like if you've heard the Stephen a um um his point on this situation like if you're Kyrie, like and you're not going to be willing to play for this team and how this is all going to transpire and you don't love the game anymore just just retire mm-hmm. like because you can tell you're like set you got millions already yeah, you don't have I mean, to work he, a day in your life if you don't want if you're not going to have the love for the game anymore i mean why are you going to put yourself through all this just mental straining and just absolute absolute pounding it seems like at times because there's been there's frankly been times where he's not been happy and he's been um vocal about it a little bit and i mean like the whole situation with like Cleveland and him and LeBron about um, him believing that he didn't he didn't believe he was second fiddle to LeBron and that that whole when that within that whole title run that he was a secondary piece he didn't believe that and I mean I mean Kyrie's a great player don't don't get us wrong here I mean like he's a valuable commodity to a lot of teams but that's his skill point 
is what makes him valuable. He, sometimes there's times where he doesn't have the mental capacity to really take on a lot of these big roles that he's been put in. And, like, it just seems like he almost, like, he has a good situation, he loves it, and then he just kind of runs out of love, and then he has to move on to somewhere else. But mm-hmm. it's, just a, it's just a tough spot. And, I mean, like, you're it's just crazy to sound. You got Kyrie and you got KD in free agency, and you know that was put together beforehand. And now you have Harden come over. Like, it'll be, it'd be kind of an interesting situation if, like, Kyrie is shipped out. I mean, there's, I don't really see a lot of um, teams that could really, like, use a guy, a guy like Kyrie. Uh, one team that kind of sticks out to me a little bit is um, the Pelicans. Cause, I mean, you have, like, you have a pretty good, you have a pretty good front court down there. Like, you have, you have Steven Adams now from OKC. You have Zion. You have Derek Favors. You have a pretty, you have some pretty good pieces around there. And in Brandon Ingram, like they, they just don't have like a, a star shooting point guard. And I know, I know Lavar knows who he believes that guy is. And no, it's not Lonzo. There's no way. And Josh Hart is a great secondary bench player that can give you leadership and give you um, a big veteran boost off the bench. So. And I, they just got Eric Bledsoe, and he's not. A, I don't really believe he's a true one. I mm-hmm. think he's more of a, a secondary two guy. Like it's, he's gonna, he has much more shooting volume than a standard point guard has. I mean, at least by the narrative that point guards have had over the last couple of years. Now that's obviously changed when you have guys like Steph and James Harden that yeah. are moving in at the point guard position and changing it. But I, th- I mean, if you put him there, I think that would be a very interesting situation because I mean, that'd be he'd fit in a spot where they need a hole. And I know that it'll be, um, you're going to have to take touches away from Zion and you're going to have to take touches. But I mean, like Steven Adams isn't going to complain about touches. I mean, he played with Russell Westbrook. Yeah, he's a role player. So, So, I'm, but you got a lot of, you got a lot of good pieces there. But I mean, to me, like Brooklyn, like if you're able to play with Harden and Durant, why would you leave? Because that's such a great threesome and that you're going to be in position to make a good run in the playoffs just with those three alone, as long Mm -hmm. as they stay healthy. But I mean, it's just really hard. I mean, like, oh, like Pistons fans would be like, oh yeah, yeah, let's take them. But I mean, it's because I mean we're three and ten right now. But I think a lot of fans are like, yep, we know how this rebuild's gonna go. We're okay with the season we're having right now because we mm-hmm. have a lot of good pieces. I mean, Jeremy Grant might be an All Star. He's a borderline one of the best players in the NBA right now, and it's just it's just hard to show that when your team's three and ten. But I mean, he's been he's been he's going like off Sam the Darnold kind of. Gar- garbage can't hold in the garbage. Yeah. Ah. Yes. I-, I mean, I would not really. I, but I mean, kind of. Yeah. Close I mean, to we're it. it's like we have the last. But I mean, we're we're not the worst scoring team. We're not we're not the worst defensive team. Like we're we're pretty solid. There's just been some games where we've just, frankly, I mean, even talking about the, the ball a little bit. Yeah, like the Heat game. We're we we were recording on Sunday and we were up at halftime and then. They just fell apart, and they end up losing that game to the Heat, like by six in the third and fourth quarters. So, like, mm-hmm. we've been in a lot of these games, and I think there's only like a couple games I can recall. I think one of the Bucks games that got out of hand pretty quick, but obviously the Bucks are the Bucks. We can't defend Giannis, and that's okay. But mm-hmm. I mean, we there we have a lot of good pieces. I mean, obviously Killian's not the the immediate savior like a lot of people are thinking of he is i mean it takes time i mean it took how long for chauncey to develop if you would think you take that as a reference mm-hmm. but i mean we're we've been doing um we've been doing very solid i don't like a part of me wants to finish last because then you have the best chance for the pick but the darn lottery makes it so that's so not a guarantee not so good. it's just a weird situation 
But, I mean, there is one thing to say. Like, watching some of these games, this is a pretty fun team to watch. It's not like the Cleveland Browns, in like, where it's just, like, miserable to watch if you're a fan. Like, this no. team is one of the most three and fun 3-10 and ten teams to ever like, watch. We make it, we've made it close. Most, like, when we played the Heat, I mean, it was only 107 to 113. So, yeah. it was close. And, like, Jeremy Grant, 27 points. Wayne Ellington, 24 points. Like, it's a pretty solid showing by everybody. But it's just we fall short when we play I don't I just feel like we just play short when it really matters because, I mean, when you look at it, we haven't lost by a whole lot to a lot of good teams. Like when we playing the Jazz, we only lost by 10. The Bucks only by 9. The Celtics, we only lost by 2. And then we beat the Celtics the day before. So it's like we have the tools and we have the ability to be a good team. It's just I feel like in those in those big situations where we need to pull through and we need to actually just play pretty solid, that's when we fall short. And I think that's when that's if we work on that, we'll be a, a very solid team. Yeah, I think if we work out the kinks, and we really don't have a like, we're hoping that Jeremy Grant's the guy that will, excuse me, um, bring us in in crunch time. He's the prime time guy. Yeah. But it's a little bit different because like a lot of the guys that you think of to close out games are guys that can are able to shoot on the perimeter off the dribble. And those those are really, like, the best situations. Mm-hmm. Like, you're not going to be – like, Jeremy Grant has a lot of great skill sets. Like, he's a jack-of-all-trades. He's not necessarily like a – he's not a guy, like, where you're looking at a Steph, for example, that, like, you know when there's a minute on the clock, you're just giving him the ball on top and letting him do this thing because of what he can do off the dribble shooting the basketball. Yeah, Jeremy Grant's not that guy. He's more of a guy that can – play he can play post he can shoot the mid-range shot but he's not necessarily the guy you're going to be like all right crunch time here you go ball top the key do your thing yeah. when it's this Where game you put he, the game in his hands exactly really he's, he's more of a guy that goes with the flow of the game and we like blake was kind of supposed to be that guy and i mean d rose has done it a little bit but d rose has been um nearing the end of his career um i wouldn't say necessarily like this next year or whatever soon um, but he's it, he's definitely probably looking at that down the road for a little bit just because, I mean, mm-hmm. he's getting up there in age. And being with this team is going to be a little bit stressful as far mentally just because, like, you're, you're in this league to win games, and not winning games is not fun. And in the end, you are making money, but it, it is a tough thing to do um, with in a rebuilding team. So, I mean, I respect him for doing that. Yeah, staying with it. But Pistons play the Hawks today at 7.30, so I'm definitely looking forward to that. Probably will tune in as well. I hope we win uh, that game. We, so had a good ch- we had a good chance. Hawks, I mean, Trey Young obviously is one of the better teams. Cam Reddish is just, I mean, he's not. If you saw the, uh, the double spin move kind of layup that he just threw up and he didn't even make, I think it wasn't even close by like four feet or something like that. If he plays anything like that, then... I'm pretty hopeful for this game, but hopefully Pistons get the W, kind of turn around this bad start of the season and ho- and get something started because if we don't get something started soon, I don't know what's going to happen. Yeah, I mean, like, it's been, you look at the lineup and we expected a lot going into, we've, we expected a lot different types of lineups coming in. And I think one thing, like, everybody's talking about is Sekou's not getting any minutes, even though, like, he was he was going in to be the guy that's going to be the guy that you're going to shape and mold into this perfect player and like Dwayne Casey has not played him for a lot of parts of the a lot of part of these games and it's just kind of concerning like like we're we're working really hard on with Seku but the fact he's not playing the games is kind of alarming I mean he is playing but I mean he's playing pretty limited minutes I think there was one game he only played five minutes 
And, I mean, he had a great game in the second game of the year against the Knicks. He had 23 points, I believe it was, and almost a double-double. But it's just a weird, like, we want to know answers why Sekou's not playing. I think that's the question. And I know, like, he hasn't been playing as of great in his minutes. But, I mean, like, being being on a team where you know, I'm only going to get how many minutes. You're gonna Sometimes you think you might be trying to do too much. And mm-hmm. I don't know exactly if, like, Sekou's doing that. Because, obviously, we don't know what Sekou's thinking in the middle of the games. Only Sekou knows that. But it's just, like trying to really dissect what we need to do with Seku to make him a better player and even Killian as well and I know Killian's in his early stages of development I get that but like those two are quoted on quoted as the guys that are going to turn this franchise around at this point and I I really think that Jeremy Grant is really the guy that's going to kind of be that more that focal point than those mm-hmm. two because those two are those two don't need to worry about changing the franchise because they're they're young players and they just need to worry about getting better but it's just kind of we're trying to see this team down the road because obviously that's what you do in a rebuild. And there's a lot of question marks that are still up there. And I think hopefully those get fixed by the end of the year because, I mean, Sadiq Bey is looking like a steal right now. I mean, he's been shooting 42% from three, not almost 10 points per game. He's been great. And he hasn't even started like a lot of these games. He's been playing off the bench. And, I mean, with Killian out, it's been Wayne Ellington and DeLon Wright. So it's going to be interesting to see how this team develops. I mean, mm-hmm. hopefully we get Josh Jackson back to his full health. I know he's healthy, but he's not been playing the same as what he was pre-injury. But it'll be interesting. It'll it'll really be interesting, and we're going to have to see how the how it goes. Yeah, honestly, it, I I really like where the Pistons are at. Like a lot of people are kind of doubting him, kind of seeing that we're off to a slow start. But give it time. Next year, it's just going to be building on. Uh, just a sol- I feel like it's a solid base for where we're at right now. Just, just we're gonna get better each year, honestly, mm-hmm. and I think that's what a lot of fans have to really look forward to the upside too. Because right now, you might not see the future, and you might not see where we might end up. But if you we just keep a level head and we keep just a just a positive attitude about this, then you know I think that's really gonna p- play off pretty well. But I'm excited for the Pistons. Excited for tonight. Hopefully, we can get the dub. Yeah, for sure. Um, moving on now to um, college side, as um, we're talking some college basketball. Michigan got to play last night, and they bounced back with a nice win against Maryland, 87-63. to um, Weird kind of a, I want to say weird game, because, I mean, obviously we won by 24, but, like, not necessarily what we expected to see out of this, because I know going into this game, I wanted to see Hunter Dickinson bounce back and take control of the paint and really he he really didn't do that no i mean he had three points and i know like you have to understand like you have to understand that like they were double triple triple teaming him all night like frank um shoot i forgot his last name um frank turgent there you go yes. um he he really was just he wanted to just neutralize dickinson as much because they knew like you look at hunter dickinson and what he's done especially scoring I believe 26 points it was last time these two teams faced off you know he what he can do in the paint damage wise and you knew going into the game that like him against Smith and Scott like there was no question that Dickinson's the favorite in that matchup and they obviously played um 
they played like this weird like sag man where they'd always have the opposite wing come over and try to defend him on the catch and then when the catch happens then you got the nearest ball wing going on double teaming him it was you knew they were trying to neutralize him so you knew he wasn't going to go off for 20 points because they were preventing that but in the end we did what we needed to do off those double teams and shoot the three ball extraordinary well i mean 50 percent from three not too shabby 20 to 12 of 24 to be exact Mm -hmm. it was a good win and it was kind of like one of those where you were like oh no please don't we don't want to rely on the three ball all the time because there's been some teams that's done that and i mean you can shoot the three ball well but when you're relying on shooting the ball every night shooting comes in waves and that can lead to some l's so it was good to see i mean we played some pretty overall good defense i would say i mean we gave up 25 points in the first half and then only 63 after 40 minutes so it was a good win. I'm 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 was I'm excited with the win. Obviously, good to bounce back after the loss to Minnesota, but we're gonna be in good shape. Yeah, definitely. I mean, we've been playing pretty solid, <laughs> to say the least. And I think just this win, like you said, it's a bounce back, and we're just probably gonna get on a roll again because that that one win, yeah, it's a blemish on a perfect record, but I mean, you're rarely ever gonna have a team that goes undefeated, basically in any sport, because. That's one of the toughest things to do is just be have a perfect season, and you know it rarely ever happens. But eighty-seven to sixty-three. What I mean, what can you ask for more? We played we played pretty pretty solid. Isaiah Livers twenty points. I mean, you can't really ask too much more from him, especially in thirty minutes. He was pretty productive. Franz Wagner too, kind of picking it up fifteen points in thirty minutes, along with six rebounds for him. So he's been pre- playing pretty solid. And, you know, our bench is kind of picking up as well. Austin Davis, almost 10 points. Brandon Johns with 11 points. And Shawnee Brown with 6 points and 3 rebounds. So you can definitely tell that we're starting to, we're, I mean, we got depth on this team. And that's one of the main reasons why we're 12-1. and one, And that's one of the main reasons why we're 7. But, I mean, I was talking with some other buddies too. Do you think we can make the argument that Michigan deserves to be, like, farther up top 5? Ooh. And I would, I mean, they're 7 right now. And I think... I don't want to put them up too high just because, like, if you consider, like, Iowa and Baylor and Kansas and Gonzaga, like, we're we're like those teams, but we don't necessarily have the consistent efficiency, it seems like. I, like, it's, like, I would say that we should be a little higher, I mean... I don't I don't want to be too high because then obviously like I don't want like I don't want us to be put up at like number 5 and then like not play yeah, as like well cuz there's too much expectations but I mean like you look at the top 25 and I'm looking at comparing Gonzaga, Baylor, Villanova, Iowa, Texas, Tennessee. I do think we are better than Tennessee. Tennessee's a little shaky in my opinion. A little wishy-washy. But yeah, and um I think you have to I think you have to look at where a lot of these teams are at as far as consistency-wise to be. Because if you're a top-five team, in my opinion, you should be one of the most consistently good teams in college basketball. Like Gonzaga, you never have to question, like, are they going... they're, They're going to be playing extremely well every night. There's just, like, you don't necessarily... Like, they're not like a Kansas... They're not like one of. They're not like Kansas, where like they'll have great nights, but then there will just be some nights they just slack. Like I don't want to say slack off, but they just really slump. Like they just really drop the ball and don't play very well. You never have to question that with like Baylor and Gonzaga. And I mean, mm-hmm. 
you got to give credit to Villanova because, I mean, they didn't start the year off, it seemed like, on a good foot, and they've really put it together, and they surged themselves into third. I mean, we've we've seen what Iowa's done. They're, I think, I would I would say we're pretty darn close to Iowa, so I'd like to see us 4-5. Uh, I mean, every time it seems like we've played Texas, we've beaten them. So I, I could see us being 5, but I don't know necessarily about being in top 3. I, I would say top 5, but not top 3. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm just doing a quick count. Uh, Big Ten, though, is kind of cleaning up. I think we got, what, seven, six oh, or yeah. seven teams in the top 25 right yeah, now. Like pretty Il- solid. Yeah, Illinois, Minnesota, Ohio State, uh, Wisconsin, us, and Iowa. Just, uh, I believe that's seven. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, the Big Ten Conference is fantastic. I mean, like, um, the the conference just seems like it's so wide open. Like, I, it's kind of crazy because, like, at the beginning, like, if you look on paper, it's like, yeah, Michigan, Iowa. And that those are the only those it's it's one of those two winning the title like uh-huh. there's no question, but I mean the reality is like both both teams like both of these teams have lost. I mean we're seven and one. I was six and one. Both te- both of us have twelve wins. But then behind you got teams that can be pretty sneaky good. I mean Minnesota beat us and they also beat Iowa. Then you got Wisconsin that they can they know how to win especially at the Kohl Center. Mm-hmm. Purdue who's kind of sneaking up the radar. And then you you got to consider teams like Michigan State that they'll they'll they have a great roster once they figure it out they're going to start being a lot better because I think being able to see what they have and putting mm-hmm. the best value on the court at, at a time I think is where they're struggling and I think this is really the first time we've ever seen Izzo have like these truly bad problems of lineups not fitting well together just a lot of just a lot of sloppy things that have caused some yeah. of those games and I mean like. There's always going to be, like, you look at the tournament, there's always going to be Cinderella's. I mean, Penn State's going to be a pretty gritty team. Then you got Ohio State that always plays well in the tournament. You got teams like Indiana, Illinois that can figure it out. So, I mean, I think this really is the deepest conference in college basketball because, I mean, like, these these teams are beating each other. I mean, like, we had a scare against Penn State. We're first and they're last. If that tells you anything, I don't know what else does. And it's just going to be a weird... It's going to be a weird season because, like, the Big Ten tournament is really going to be more of a deciding factor to me than the regular season because, like, in this whole COVID season, it's going to be more about how can you figure out how to adjust than it is really to find a groove, I think, because, like, this whole situation is changing so much. The teams that adjust the most are going to play the best, yeah. and that's going to be really the deciding factor is who's going to be able to adjust the best so I'm looking at teams that are good on the road. I'm looking at teams that are good with like changing start times. Those are the teams that I think are going to be in more, more of a like that's going to be more important. A team that adjusts better than a team that can get hot really quick because like we've seen that like with Illinois and now they're six and three in mm-hmm. the conference, sitting in fourth, so or yeah. fifth. I mean Minnesota, they're undefeated at home, but when they go on the road, that's a different story. And mm-hmm. I mean Michigan, we've been playing pretty solid. I mean, I feel like we can adapt really well. Iowa can adapt really well. Like you said, Ohio State is a really good tournament team when it comes down to it. But, yeah, whoever can adjust the best, that's going to be the teams that are usually going to fare pretty well during the March Madness tournament, going to be faring pretty well in conference tournaments. So I'm pretty excited for that as well because we're definitely going to see which teams are real and which teams kind of just coast throughout the regular season and and just – don't really succeed when it really comes down to it. Yeah, because, I mean, you look at Michigan schedule, like we're playing five straight home games, or uh, no, six straight home games, and the hardest team we played was Penn State. 
We're like that, that should be like, oh yeah, got a cakewalk. And I really think that's why we're seven because I think people know we're a better team. Just our schedule doesn't prove it because we've only played, um, we've only started to play our ranked opponents now here in the, the the middle of the beginning of the season. I mean, we played Northwestern, Minnesota, and Wisconsin and beat them, and then obviously uh, bump the road against Minnesota, but that's going to happen. So I think this is going to be an interesting conference turnout because, I mean, like, there, there, like there's teams that you can expect a lot from. Like, we, there's a lot of expectation on Iowa. But, like, with a team like Iowa, like, they, like, if, if Garza has a bad night, and yeah, granted, he hasn't had one so far, but when, when, if he doesn't have that great of a night, like, you're going to have to rely on shooting with Wieskamp and McCaffrey and Bohannon. Like, you're going to have to know, like, that you're going to have to hit or you're going to be in trouble. Cause, like, defensively, they haven't been, they haven't been fantastic defensively. Like, they've, they've shown flaws. I mean, they've, they've had multiple games where, they've they've given up 70 80 90 points like uh, the minnesota game they had to score 102 to beat them like that's just like that's just insane to think about it but i mean their offense has just been so good that they i you you wonder if they've been relying on it too much because then there's there's games where like they haven't hit like at Rutgers they weren't hitting as much i mean they won that game barely by two so like you have to consider the fact that like these hot streaks are going to run out Mm-hmm. And you have to go down to the basis of is this team going to play better than this team on this given day? Because we we can chalk it down as much as we want and make hypotheticals, but in reality, those will never line up because there's always going to be a team that could drop the ball. I mean, Illinois has done it multiple times so far. I know we keep talking about them. Like, I mean, they beat Penn State yesterday, which they should have beaten. But I mean. This is just a, such an interesting season. Everybody's on the same playing field as far as COVID and everything. And then there's just times where teams have dropped the balls. I mean, like Florida beat number six Tennessee last night. So honestly, I would expect Michigan to bump up to at least six, maybe five if we're lucky in this next poll because Tennessee just, they just stunk. I mean, they scored, you score 49 points. That's not going to get you, get it done, especially when there's six team in the country, unless you're like Virginia and have the best defensive efficiency. Um, but I mean, there's gonna be a a lot of a lot of good teams that we're gonna see a lot of because I mean mm-hmm. I don't think like well, basically what I'm trying to say there's no there's not gonna be any cakewalk games anymore because no. like it just seems like there's been so many times where there's been such hot teams and then they go into it's this they in a sure win game and then it's just not been the same so it it'll definitely be interesting I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, same. I mean, especially for Michigan in the next couple of games, that's when our ranked opponents come into play, especially for the Big Ten. I mean, we play Illinois, Wisconsin, Rutgers isn't ranked, but then we go on to play Ohio State and then Iowa to close out the year. I mean, that's that's going to be kind of the that's going to be the meat and potatoes of our of our conference, and that's going to be the meat and potatoes of our schedule, and that's going to be when we can really solidify ourselves as if we're going to be a top five team if we can get that number one seed for the tournament. Or if we can really show out that like we are the best team in the Big Ten because right now on the on the standings we are, but will we be able to beat Iowa? Will we be able to beat those ranked teams again, or will we be able to be, beat those ranked teams we have before? Because we, I mean, like I said, like we said last show, we are the first team to beat what is it, three ranked opponents by twenty plus points or something like yeah, that. Yeah, technically nineteen because 19, but. we only beat Northwestern by nineteen. But yeah, I mean, I'm basically twenty points, like blowout. So. 
Yeah. yeah. So yeah. like it's gonna we can beat those ranked teams, but we'll come down to if we can beat the Big Ten ranked teams that are against the best conference in the in the nation right now. So. Yeah. I mean, like it's just kind of crazy. Like a lot of people are like, what? What about like the, like when you think of basketball, the first the first like division you think of probably is probably the ACC is one of the best teams because I mean they have Duke, they have North Carolina, they have. Um, they have all these these powerhouses normally, but this year, like, this is this is the craziest thing. Like this week's AP poll: Duke, Kentucky, North Carolina didn't crack the top twenty-five. The last time this happened, nineteen sixty-one. Nineteen sixty-one. Like, wow, fifty or sorry, sixty years. It's been since one or like since. All three of these teams were not in the, were not ranked. One of them had were ranked. That's just how great of programs they've been for this long. But this 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 situation, like there's they they just haven't adjusted well. And I know they that they always it's like because you always see Duke and like there's always new talent coming in, especially Kentucky with um, John Calipari really being the one and done guy. Like he's the guy that you're like, okay, if I want to get to the NBA next year, I'm calling him because that's what he's primarily known for. And they've always had young talent coming into these, these seasons. Mm -hmm. Like they always have new talent filtering in and playing, but they seem to have always learned and adjusted on the fly and be able to do it. I mean, like, they had a brand new lineup coming in. Duke, I, I, I'm speaking more more specifically when we had we, they had Barrett Reddish and Williamson all as freshmen, and they were the top team, one of the top teams in the country. Like, frankly, like they never really had a problem. But now, like this new this new situation has thrown them a curveball, and they haven't adjusted well to it. And I mean, Kentucky, like they were three and I think they were three and six in their first nine. Like we've never seen like these these kind of performances from these teams just because this new situation is really messing a lot of teams up and mm-hmm. frankly they haven't had the ability to bounce back like a lot of these other teams have and that's why we're seeing so many like not necessarily hot conference teams coming in the top twenty five like more SEC teams and more Mountain West teams like it's just a really weird situation. It's kind of that's I think that's also one of the reasons why big the Big 10 has been able to have so many teams in the top 25s. We've adjusted so much better. And I'm not saying like it's protocol or whatever like our protocols lower scale than theirs. I'm not saying that. But just on you look at Xs and Os and you look at numbers, like they th- we have speaking of the Big 10, adjusted better and played more basketball. And that's something that's just going to make our our tournament more interesting because uh, like the Big Ten tournament could be where a bubble team makes a run and they ended up they end up making the playoffs or vice versa. So yeah, it's I mean March Madness basketball is is so unpredictable and that's what that's what everybody loves about it and that's what I'm so excited for is to see those teams like like Loyola or what was it Loyola Chicago that went to what, the Final Four or something like that when they mm-hmm. were the 11th ranked team in their in their uh, in their bracket basically. And that's that's what I'm so excited for about March Madness basketball because is you literally don't know what's going to happen. You can either have you know a 16 team upset a one seed, or you could have like a one seed just dominate, or you could have those those 15 upset twos and stuff like that. And I'm I'm so excited for it. Very very much just going to be just solid basketball that's going to be played. Yeah. So um, moving on to the end of our show, um, surprise topic. We're going to bring back. Brandon's debate of the day. 
And today wow. we have an inch. Yeah, we're bringing everything back today. <laughs> everything, everything. Back the today. fact of the day, the debate of the day. Give the um, fans what they want. Yep. So staying in college basketball. Um, pretty simple question. I didn't really think about going all ex- extraordinary for this for this episode. Um, but it's a simple question. I think a lot of people are wondering if you had to pick a team in the Big Ten in the lower half of the standings currently. Not not playing as great right now. To, Hold up one second. Let me get to a Big Ten. Thing. Okay. Um, what team in the the bottom half? So basically, you're starting at, I would say, minute under Minnesota, or actually, you could consider Minnesota. I so guess. So Minnesota, Indiana, Rutgers, Northwestern, Michigan State, Maryland, Nebraska, Penn State. Out of all of those teams, which uh, which one would you bet more money on to make a run and win the tournament? That's so. That's tough. I'd say. Probably like Michigan State, and you said including Minnesota. You could include Minnesota, yeah. I want to say Minnesota, but all their losses have been on the road, and that's what I'm kind of concerned about. Is mm-hmm. if one if they make the tournament? Well, well, they'll definitely make the tournament, but when they make the tournament, will they be able to kind of adjust well to being kind of in that bubble and only being able to go from basically practice to hotel to game to hotel and not being able to like really do anything. I don't know if they're – they'll probably make it to, like, the round of 32 or maybe even the Sweet 16, but I don't think they'll make a run. I feel like Michigan State's probably the best one to make a run out of all of them. Mm-hmm. Northwestern as well because, like, they were kind of pretty solid a little bit. I, I, they're not ranked anymore, but, I mean, they were pretty solid. They have been solid throughout this year. But, I mean, Michigan State, Tom Izzo just knows how to how to make a run during the play. We'll we'll forget about the Middle Tennessee kind of debacle that Oof. went down a couple years Oof ago. The. But I think Michigan State is going to be the best one out of those bottom that bottom half of the Big Ten to really make a run and really do something. Yeah, I would. I think Michigan State should definitely be on the consideration. It's like I w- I would also want to pick Minnesota, but the fact is is like. I don't necessarily know how the like the Big Ten tournament is going to play out because I mean obviously you're going to be considering are there going to be like one facility like are they just going to go to one stadium and play over a weekend or they haven't really finalized that yet I mean and the NCAA the March Madness tournament's all going to be in Indianapolis and they've already they're alluding to different places they talked about um they're going to finalize Hinkle Field House as being one of the places they're going to play which I think is kind of cool because fan-wise that's one of the coolest arenas in in the game so I think that's cool um I would say I Minnesota is such a good team like I would consider them making a run and figuring it out it's just really I can see like obviously the question mark is they haven't played on the on the road that well. I I think that's something that they can adjust to and I mean with the talent they have I mean they they've been they have they have such a good roster that I think they could figure it out especially once you start talking like big like I mean you look at the teams they've lost to you got to give them a little bit of grace because I mean they had to. They've had to play Illinois when they were red hot. I mean, Illinois put 92 up in that game for reference. They had to play Wisconsin. They had to play us, and then they ha- had to play Iowa. Like those are four of the best teams in college basketball. All of them were in the top ten at that point. So, I think that's something to consider, and I think that that can be a fair understanding that I can see why. 
like the just going off of their away record, yeah, it is alarming. But I think like you look at a team. Oh yeah, they can't win on the road. You have to give them some grace because they've been playing some of the best teams. So I think they can figure it out. Like you can go like they're gonna play at Nebraska or. That was they were supposed to actually play at Nebraska. They're going to play at Purdue, at Rutgers, mm-hmm. and then they're going to play like at Maryland. Those are three road games they should win, and they can get they can get the ball rolling on the road. So I think they can be that team that can pull it together. I think. I mean, I obviously you want to be concerned with Izzo and the Spartans because they know how to turn it up, and they know how to play good basketball when it comes to tournament time. And I I, I absolutely love that um, us Michigan and them Michigan State being able to do that because that just makes. That just makes so much, like it just brings so much more suspense because, like the Michigan fans' dream is you want to you want to play Sparty in the ship. That's what you want to yeah, see. Yeah, that'll be so cool. That, that's always what we've been looking forward to, and it's happened a couple of times. I mean, but there's always teams like Minnesota, Maryland when they like Maryland always seemed like they were a top seed and then they just fall off in the tournament. Mm-hmm. I don't like I don't know how like they just become inefficient under Turgeon in the tournament. I don't know why, but they just do. But I think like this, their guard group. I mean, you got both got the transfer. You got Gabe Kelsher. You got and and you you have Marcus Carr who can take you to victory. It seems like he's averaging over twenty points. He can be that backcourt can lead a team. And I mean, Robbins played pretty well against Dickinson. I'm not saying he's better, but he bounced back pretty well. And I think that Minnesota, like they, if they can be able to show that they can play like they did against Michigan where they they kind of they get punched and they get punched in the back and then they turn around and punch right back they can be able to like they can be able to win these tournament games especially when they're gonna they only play like Iowa once and they don't they've only they only play like Ohio State once they don't they only play these teams once so they're they're gonna be able to bounce back and they're gonna be able to yeah really adjust and move on you know it's it's just a thing that I can see them doing, but I mean, I don't like Northwestern. I don't see like they they they're too up and down for me. Rutgers, big games don't don't see them as successful. I mean, that's why they're seven and five. Indiana could be like if um, Trace Jackson Davis can turn it up. I uh, he can he can will them to some to some dubs. They're not. I don't think him him alone is going to be able to beat uh, like. Michigan, Iowa, Wisconsin. Him alone's not going to beat them. No. So that's why I wouldn't consider them. Maryland, too inconsistent. Nebraska, Penn State, both bad. So, yeah, I'm, I'll say Minnesota. But Michigan State would be a viable choice, too. I'd agree, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Short and simple. Yeah, short and simple. I mean, this is a pretty short show. Pretty simple. Yeah, pretty short, simple. So, simple, short. Simple, short. Informative. A little bit of both. But, yeah. Thank you guys for listening. Um, final announcement if you're still with us. You're the true fans, and we love you and appreciate you. Um, we got some big guests coming on, so you're going to want to stay tuned and hit that hit that subscribe button um, or follow button, whatever whatever podcast platform you use. Get notifications for us because we got some cool episodes dropping. We got some Ferris athletes coming on next week. You're going to want to stay tuned to that to hear the firsthand on their starts to the season in COVID. And we also have Instagram, if you haven't heard already. We've been kind of making a big deal about it for Drop good a reason. follow. Drop a follow. Because we want to see all of our followers. We want to interact with you guys. We want to hear what you guys want to have on the show. We want to hear more people on the show. We want to have a bigger audience. And Instagram is the way to do it. Because Twitter's great, but Twitter and Instagram, hmm. Double the, double the trouble, really. Double, double, double the, the trouble. trouble. <laughs> 
double the podcast goodness. Yeah. But until next time, we'll see you later. Take care, everybody.